so we are doing a series on uh, uh, where we're talking about building stronger homes, and we're going to continue that today. But real quick, I wanted to take a moment just to speak to uh, the men of our church and tell you that we've started a new group, and uh, what the name of it is called a it's called a men's huddle group. And what a men's huddle group is for is for guys who want to learn how to be better uh, spiritual leaders uh, in our homes, uh, in our church, and in our community. Uh, and in the workplace, because because uh, our our community, because our church, our world, our families need us to show up and to be the kind of spiritual leaders with Jesus as our model. I, I really believe that. And so what we're doing is we're reading a book together called The Measure of a Man, and uh, we're going to be meeting. There's uh, at the information stand. Uh, there are some little uh, I don't know what you call it flyers, whatever. You can pull one of those out. But we are meeting again uh, this Thursday at my home uh, at 6 p.m., and I want to invite you. If you haven't been yet, it's not too late to join us. I've got some extra copies of the book. It's a little box over there by the table when you leave. Uh, feel free to pick one up. They're $12 a copy. You don't have to pay today, but I will ask you, if you would please, to help us with that, uh, with $12. Uh, and if for some reason you can't afford it, that's fine. I'll buy it for you. Uh, I just want to make sure you actually read it. But I would really love for you guys to, to join us. I, I just think it's something that's really good. Uh, to, we need to invest in building. A lot of guys in life, you know, we don't have, sometimes we, we go through life and we don't have really close friends. We don't have guys who really stand with us and stand for us. And this is a great opportunity for us to build that. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you uh, to participate in that. Also, uh, we have something that's coming up in a few weeks called Week of Hope. And uh, with Week of Hope, our aim as a church, is, you know, what we want to do is we want to love and serve the people of our community. And as we have opportunity, we want to share with them the hope that we have in Jesus. And what we want to do this year, uh, as we're working towards Week of Hope, is we want to simplify. Okay? We want to simplify as much as possible. Uh, and we want to do everything at a sustainable pace. And, uh, and that's something that we always don't do well in life, either at Solana Valley Church or in our world is that sometimes it's hard to simplify, it's hard to do things at a sustainable pace, but it is a part of our commitment. And so what we want to do is we want to have a blast, we want to have a blast loving the people of our community, serving Jesus, and sharing with them the hope that we have. And uh, so if you're not familiar with Week of Hope, we'll be talking more about it in weeks ahead. But what I'd like to do before we launch into today's uh, message is I'd like to take a moment just to pray Uh, about these things. Is that okay? All right. God, today uh, we are so grateful because you are here and you are with us and you are for us. And we are so grateful because nothing, nothing, nothing uh, will ever separate us from your love. And we are grateful that in Christ there is no condemnation for us. That we are not defined by where we've come from. We are not defined by where we've come through. But we are defined by who we are in Jesus, and we are grateful for that. God, I want to pray for the men of our church. Lord, we want to be better leaders in our homes. We do. We do. And we want to lead more like Jesus, and we want to be better leaders in our church. We want to be better leaders in the workplace and in our community. So, God, just help us to get better at that. Little by little, day by day, one step at a time, help us to get better at that. God, I want to pray uh, for our community as we are working towards Week of Hope. And my prayer, God, is that right now you'd be working the hearts of people 
who, who live in the homes of the neighborhoods around us, that you would be putting in them a desire to know more about the hope that we have in Jesus. And God, what we want to do is we want to be able to carry that hope into our community and then be able to invite people in to a celebration of hope where they can hear about what you have done for us. And so, God, we want to commit that to you and pray for your blessing on it. God, today I want to pray as we talk about how to build stronger homes. I pray that, that you will help me to get out of the way. Help me to, to, to focus less on my opinions and my ideas and more on the teaching of your word. And help me to honor you by honoring your word. And God, help us to understand how to bring this into application in our lives in a way that changes our lives for good. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. All right, so we said that we are talking about building stronger homes. And, uh, you know, building a stronger home, doing family together is a lot like a bike ride. And some of you are thinking, Gary, for you, everything's like a bike ride because you like riding your bike, and that would be true, all right? Uh, and, and for me, I love bike riding, and I love it when some of the younger guys in our church or younger guys in our community will let me ride with them. And they will slow down, but they don't act like they're slowing down, so I can kind of keep up with them, except for Brandon. And what he does is we'll go up a long hill. We'll go up a long hill, a long hill in the Sonoma Back Roads uh, Challenge. And he'll go, and what he'll do is he'll go all the way to the top of the hill, ride back down with a big smile on his face. He'll go all the way up the long hill, ride back down with a big smile on his face. He'll go all the way back up the hill, ride back down with a smile on his face, and he'll come up right next to me, and he's like, man, isn't this great? And I'm like, I am dying. <laughs> so, so I do love it when I get to ride with guys who are patient with me and let me ride with them. Well, a while back, I was riding with a friend of mine over in Napa. And a uh, young man, uh, very, very strong, very, very athletic, very, very fast on a bike. But he was being patient with me. And we were riding uh, on this one road that I had never been on before, and it is, I mean, I, I, I go to Napa every week with Joy for, for lunch and stuff like that, but this road is a road I'd never been on before, and you need to understand, I, I have an aluminum frame bike. Uh, these other guys, they all have carbon frames, which are fantastic because they absorb road shock. So I, I was on this aluminum frame bike, which is very, very stiff, and you feel everything that you hit. And, uh, and then also, I've got my tires pumped to 110 pounds. So it is very unforgiving. And if you've ever been on a bike, a nice road bike, seats are not made for comfort. That's not what they're built for. Uh, They're built to support you uh, and to protect you, kind of. Uh, If you're on an aluminum frame bike, sometimes you don't feel that way. So we're riding along, pretty good click, and uh, we're going down a little bit of a hill. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, I I can pick up speed with the best of them on a hill. I can't. You know, if I'm going down a, a hill, I can get small on my bike. I can, I can you know, I mean, I, I can, I can kind of stay with guys. And we're coming down this hill, and there's a pothole. I did not see it. I hit it hard, really, really hard. Now, when I say I hit it hard, what happened is my, uh, my tire, uh, the inner tube burst like a balloon, it burst, and the shock of that hit went through that wheel, went through that frame, went through that seat, went 
from my seat, up my spine, through my neck, to my head, and my teeth were rattling, okay, for about 15 minutes after I hit it. I hit this pothole, and I hit it hard. I don't know how fast we were going. We were probably going 25, 30 miles an hour, which is fast on a bike, okay? It's fast on a bike. And, um, and when, we hit it, when I hit that, uh, my tire just exploded. And sometimes in life, family, you're moving along, you're moving at a good click, everything feels good, it's beautiful, you're having a blast with your family, and then you hit a pothole. You hit a pitfall. And all of a sudden, something that was very, very fun uh, feels kind of scary. And and you hit this pothole, you hit this pitfall, and you have a family blowout. What I want us to do today is we're going to talk a little bit about family pitfalls, family potholes, things that we can hit in life that can really rattle us. If we're not careful, we can even crash. And we're going to talk about how to navigate through that. The way I'd like to do this, I'd, I'd like to, if you're, if you're a guest today, we're really glad you're here. One of the things we like to do as a church is every once in a while, I like to ask people to just kind of talk with the person around them. I don't know. When I was in church, I got a spanking any time I talked in church. Uh, sometimes I still do. But, the, uh, but, but uh, what, what I want us to do is I want us to kind of talk with each other. So I'd like you to turn to the people around you, one or two people, or 15 if you want. But I'd like you to turn to the people next to you, and I'd like you to, to uh, answer a question for one another. What are some examples of family potholes or pitfalls that we need to look out for in life? So let's take a moment, discuss that with each other, and then I'm going to collect some of what you've said. You and some of what you heard in your groups. And what are some things, what are some family pitfalls, potholes that you talked about in your group? Oh, okay. Differences in child raising. All right. Okay. What else? Family relations. That covers a lot. Okay. Okay. In-law problems. I, I can tell you the solution to that. It's real simple. What you do is you move 2,000 miles away from your family. It's what Joy and I did, and it's made life wonderful, all right? So there. I've already crossed that one off for you, all right? <laughs> oh, no, that was the, uh, I'm sorry, we didn't, not that one. That was the in-law issue. Okay, all right, all right, in-laws. Okay, there we go. All right, what else? What was it, Charlotte? Job loss. Man, that can be huge. That can be huge. That, uh, when you go through that, someone else, I heard someone over here. Judy? Critical illnesses? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, when somebody is sick, man, uh, you know, we went through that in 2016 in our family. And, and let me tell you, especially when Joy's one who's sick, in her case, ended up having to go in for surgery, and we thought she had cancer. She had this huge tumor. We didn't know what the cause was. Uh, of it, and, and Joy's role in our family is huge, and, uh, but you go through that. Something else, what are some other potholes? Budgets. Budgets, okay, okay. When we have too little cash and too much month, uh, okay, okay, okay. Addictions, addictions, yeah, that's huge, that's huge. 
pride. Okay. Uh, Self-centeredness. Yep. Yep. Okay, I heard someone say parents of teenagers. <laughs> All right, sorry. Okay, uh, someone else said something, I missed it. Death. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You lose a loved one. You know, six years ago, uh, we lost my dad. And uh, for probably from, uh, that happened in, what month was it? Joy? It was May 3rd. It was May 3rd. I thought it was May, but I couldn't remember. But, yeah, from, from May until September, I was numb. Just numb. I didn't know how to, I didn't know, I, I didn't. I did not, I've never known how to grieve well. I, I'm just being honest with you. I'm still learning. And uh, so I was, you know, from May until September, I was n- just numb. And then in September, it was like this, I was just overwhelmed with emotion. I, I, I could hardly preach a sermon. I could hardly pray without tears. And, uh, but yeah, death, death can really have a huge impact on us. Something else, what other potholes? Um, okay, yeah, partner on faithfulness, that's huge. Okay? Okay, temptation. Yeah. All right, busyness. This one's huge. This is you know, the thing is, is that sometimes we look at things that we think are more glaring, but I think busyness may be one of the worst potholes and pitfalls that families have to deal with. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. What else? Boredom. Okay. Okay. Okay, we've got time for one more, one more. Depression. Okay. Depression. Yeah, I, I know what that feels like. I've struggled with depression on and off throughout my life. It runs in my family. And, uh, and yeah, it can be... Uh, I've always had kind of a functional depression. I've been one of those people that... I, I've been able to be somewhat high-functioning, but still it, it can... Uh, but it, it feels like you're running a marathon with a ball and chain on your ankle. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, well, this is what the Bible says real quickly. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4. It says this. It says, by, uh, by wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. Huge, important word. By wisdom, a house is built. Now, when the Bible talks about building a house, it's not talking about building a house. Especially when it's wisdom literature like Proverbs. It's talking about building homes. Okay? The house is representative of a family life. By wisdom, a house is built. Through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Now, if you want your home to be rock solid, filled with treasure, and and we shouldn't be thinking here primarily about financial treasure. We should be thinking about the treasure of family. That it's through wisdom, it's through understanding, it's through knowledge. And we need wisdom, understanding, and knowledge to help guide us through, help us recognize potholes, pitfalls before we hit them. And then when we do hit them, because eventually you will, how to navigate your way through it and recover from it. Does that make sense? 
All right, so let's look at that. Let's, let's talk about, you know, let's talk about a couple of, of pitfalls here. And the first one I'm going to talk about is busyness. Busyness. Okay, what I did was I, I took two major pitfalls because I couldn't do more. And, and so I, I just thought, the, the first one I think is busyness. You may disagree with that, and that's fine. Uh, but what the Bible says, it says, therefore be careful how you walk or live. Okay? Be careful how you walk, how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise. We need wisdom. Be careful then how you walk, um, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time. Now, some people, they read that, and they think, well, I need to make more of my time by cramming more activity into every hour of the day. And if that's your thinking, I really think you need to, to do a little heart check. Okay? I, I, I do. I'm, I'm going to be, I want to say it graciously. I want to try to say it humbly. But, but we're not talking about cramming every hour of your day with more activity. Uh, but filling your time with what matters most. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time. Why? Because the days are evil. Now, the times that we are living in are evil times. They are. Uh, you know, if, if you go to a high school campus today, I guarantee you're going to see it. If you go into the homes of many people in our community, you're going to see it. That we live in evil times. And, and it, this is why it's so important that we learn how to wisely not just manage our time, but organize our lives around what matters most. I, that's, when it's talking about making the most of your time, it's talking about doing what matters most. When we're talking about making the most of our time, we're talking about doing what matters most with the time we have. See, it's easy to fill your time with activity. But doing what matters most sometimes gets crowded out with all that extra activity. We will fill our life with activity, 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 activity. And then what happens is there's less and less time for family. 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 There's less time for spiritual investment. Spiritual renewal. Um, and, and so what we've got to do is we've got to learn how to wisely manage our time. So uh, sometime back I heard uh, John Ortberg share this story. And uh, any of you all know who John Ortberg is? Okay, a few of you. Uh, he's written a lot of books. Really good guy. Fantastic. Really funny. Funny but insightful. Very insightful. But I remember a while back I was at an event where John Ortberg was speaking. And uh, Ortberg said... You know, he was in a season of life of ministry where uh, they were just running nonstop. I know what that feels like. I've done that before. Uh, I did it Tuesday through Thursday this week, all right? But they were running. Yeah, okay, so I'm not practicing what I preach real well this week. I'm working on it, okay? Uh, I'm in process like any other person. I'm just going to say that right up front. Uh, For them, it was a time of uh, incredible busyness. And as a result, uh, he, was becoming, he was beginning to feel more and more distant from God. He was becoming more and more irritable with the people he loved most. And he just wasn't in a good place. 
And one of his mentors is a guy named Dallas Willard. Anybody know who Dallas Willard is? You've probably heard me quote him before, even if you don't remember the name. Dallas Willard used to be a uh, philosophy professor down at USC. He's also a Christian, written a few books. And, uh, and so uh, Willard was one of Ortberg's mentors. And so uh, Ortberg had, had called Dallas Willard, and he, and he was just talking about all this stuff. And he said, while he was talking, Willard didn't say anything. He just listened. He just listened. He just listened. And finally, Ortberg said, what am I going to do? And then Willard said this. He said, John, you must ruthlessly, ruthlessly, ruthlessly eliminate all activity from your life that is not essential. See, it's not about trying to fit more activity in less time. It's about eliminating everything that's unimportant. Now, how do you know if something's important or unimportant? Let me put it this way. If you stop it, will the world come to an end? No? Okay. Uh, If you stop it, will you die? If you stop it, will you cease to exist? Now, if, if you answer no to each of those questions, then you might want to consider this is something I can cross off. I can take this off my to-do list with my in-laws, okay? No, just kidding. <laughs> so um, let's talk about how do we make the most of our time. So four thoughts here, four thoughts here. Number one is this. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to, no, I'm not. I'm gonna, well, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this because, oops, oh, well. So uh, never use the permanent marker on the whiteboard, all right? All right, all right. Note to self, note to self, all right, all right. Uh, I, boy, that stuff is, that is, that is a waste of time. Let's mark it off my to-do list. <laughs> Forget that, all right? I'll come back to it later. All right, number one is this. Number one is this. Is um, the, the number one way to make the most of your time is to seek first the kingdom of God. Okay? The number one way to make the most of your time is to seek first the kingdom of God. Sometimes what happens, the Bible says this, by the way, I'm not just coming up with this idea, Matthew 6.33. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things you've been worrying about will take care of themselves. That's a paraphrase. Actually, what it says is it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But sometimes we busy our lives worrying about so many things instead of seeking first the most important thing and trusting God with all the other things. If you do not get seek first, okay, you've heard this analogy before, uh, it's one that, uh, I can't think of the guy's name, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh, yeah, Covey. Uh, and and it's, he's, he's on target on this one, okay? And he talks about first things first. You've got to keep first things first. And he talked about this college professor who takes a jar, and in this jar what the college professor does is he puts in some rocks. And then he asks the kids, the students, is this jar full? And all the kids say, yes. And then what 
the professor does is he takes some sand and he begins to pour the sand into uh, that jar with the rocks and he shakes it a little bit so that it kind of sifts down and he keeps pouring sand in there. And then he asks the students, is the jar full? And all the students say, yes. And then he takes a pitcher of water and he begins to pour water into the jar and then he asks the students, is the jar full now? Now, at this point in time, they're afraid to say yes. And then what the professor did is he asked the students, what does this teach you? And the students said, no matter how much you've put into your time, into your life, there's always room for more. And the professor said, no. He said, what this teaches you is if you don't put the most important things in first and you fill it with all these other things, you'll never have time for what's really important. And this is what's happened with many people in our world is we've crowded out seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness from our lives. We have filled our lives with so much activity. We have our kids in 15 different sports at one time and other children's activities. We fill our lives, we fill our children's lives with so much activity, we crowd out things like seeking God, like being a family, like worship. The things that matter most, we just, we don't have time for that anymore. And the most important thing you've got to get as a person and your family has to get, and if you don't get this right, Getting all the other things right doesn't matter. You have to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So how do we make the most of our time? Well, first of all, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Number two is this. Make table time with the family a nightly practice. Now, some of you are going to say, Gary, where's your Bible verse for that? All right? Make family time, uh, table time with the family a nightly practice. Um. The scriptures talks in Matthew uh, Acts two forty two. The Bible says this. It says it's talking about the early church. It's not talking about families per se, although it was talking about households, which included families and more. And this is how the early church did church, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, worshiping there, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread. That's eating together. Breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together and with gladness and sincerity of heart. Now, some of you are going to say, Gary, that applies to the church, not the family. Well, yeah, this verse is written about the church. This is descriptive of how the early church did church. But I would say it's prescriptive of how the modern family should do family. See, we have... um, When you read and study the scriptures, one of the things you need to learn and to understand is this, is that we have time-bound truth in a time-bound situation. There was 2,000 years ago in the city of Jerusalem, there were people who were coming together to worship God on a daily basis in the temple and from house to house. But behind that time-bound truth, there is a timeless universal principle. It's called theology. Everything you see taught in the scriptures as a theological principle behind it. And with that principle, there, there comes implications and applications. 
That's why we study. That's why we read. That's why we, we invest ourselves in the Word of God and ask God to write His Word on our lives. And I believe that what was descriptive of the ancient church, uh, making table time together, what was descriptive of the ancient church should be uh, descriptive of the modern family. And if you are so busy that you cannot take time to come together as a family and take your meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, if you cannot take time to come together nightly around the dinner table, okay? somehow you've got to make this happen. And if you cannot make this happen, then I'm going to tell you what a wise man once said. You must ruthlessly, viciously, violently eliminate all activity, all unnecessary activity from your life. And you have got to make most important, seeking first the kingdom of God, and most important, taking your meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart with the people you love most. If you cannot do it every night of the week or every day of the week, maybe you work evenings. You know, guys, ladies, maybe you work evenings. Then you find a way to make holy another time where you're coming together uh, and with gladness and sincerity of heart. You know what happens when children have that kind of time in a home and a family? They begin, it just, it is so good for them. It is so, so good for them. Not just rushing through a meal, getting the meal off the table, but unhurried time together. That's what I'm talking about. Unhurried time together. We need that, our children need it. How do we make the most of our time? Seek first the kingdom of God. Make table time at the family a nightly practice. Number three, make worship time as a family a weekly practice. Make it a weekly practice. Sometimes we fill our lives with a lot of activity. It's not bad activity. We're not at the bar getting drunk. We're not, you know, we're not going out and, and guys, we're not going out and chasing women. We're not doing any of the things we normally look at that we think are destructive for our homes. But what we do is we begin to make the priority of worship something less than a priority. Uh, what the Bible says is, come, let us worship and bow down. You know what that means? We need to come. We need to worship. We need to bow down. We need to submit and surrender to God. And we need to delight in Him. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of this pasture. We need to look at worship not as an obligation, but as a holy delight. Number four, number four uh, how do we make the most of our time? Um, I'm just going to say make time for rest. Make time for rest. Why, why do I say that? Okay. Now, you're probably different from me. You're probably different from me. Thank God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, you're probably different from me. I'm just going to lay you in on a secret, all right? Uh, sometimes I have a hard time sleeping. I do. My family knows that. I think most of you know that. Sometimes I have a hard time sleeping. And, and this is what I've found in my life, that busyness leads to stress. That's something I've observed in my life. Busyness leads to stress. 
leads to exhaustion, leads to irritability, leads to, Gary's not very much fun for wife and children. All right? Now, I'm probably the only person who struggles with that. But what I'm going to tell you is making the most of your time means that you need to make time for rest holy. We live in a world where people take pride. By the way, pride is a sin. People take pride. Pride is a sin. And I only need four hours of sleep a night. I'd like to talk with your wife and I'd like to talk with your children. Because they might say, Grumpy needs a lot more sleep. <laughs> All right? So some guys like to take pride. And in, in, in not only that, they think that they're a little bit better than people who need to sleep seven to nine hours a night. Seven to nine hours. That's what sleep experts tell us the average human being needs. The average human being needs seven to nine hours. Unless you're my sister and she was a teenager and I was a kid. I was the kid who'd get up, watch the test pattern on TV until cartoons came on. She would sleep till one o'clock in the afternoon. I'm thinking, what? Do you think you're Sleepy Beauty or something? (laughs) Get up and do something. Uh, But everybody's sleep needs are different. They are. And you need to make time for rest because when you make time for rest, you're just a lot more pleasant to be around and you don't fall asleep on me in Sunday morning worship. All right? So uh, number two, number two, uh, and I'm going to try to make this one fast and furious, okay? Number one, I said busyness. Number two, I'm just going to say unhealthy, uh, unhealthy relational patterns, unhealthy relational patterns. This is what the Bible says. It says, be devoted to one another in love. Now, again, this was given to a church in Rome, probably several house churches. It was uh, given to a church in Rome. Be devoted to one another in love. And I would say that what was prescriptive for the ancient church then is also prescriptive for the modern family now. And, and what he says is just be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. So let's look at it like this, all right? We got a triangle, all right? We have a triangle, and uh, with this triangle, I'm not sure which of these works and which doesn't, is that devotion. Where there's devotion to one another in a home, that home is going to be a blessing to the children and to the adults in that home. Be devoted to one another in love. Where there is love in a home, it's going to be a blessing to children. It's going to be a blessing to the adults in the home. Be devoted to one another uh, in love, honoring one another over yourself. When you honor others above yourself, putting their concerns first, when a husband is putting his wife's concerns first, when a wife is putting her husband's concerns first, when parents are putting their children's concerns first, when children are putting their brothers' and their sisters' concerns first, putting their parents' concerns first, you have much healthier relational patterns. A lot of the things that we've talked about that are problems start to disappear when we do these three things. Now, with this, I'll give you a few more, okay? Because I always got to give you more. I don't, but I think I do. All right? Uh, So this is not... Okay, all right. I've got new pins in my desk. It's time to get them out, I think. Okay, so I'm going to give you uh, six things here, right? A lot quick, okay? Six things. Um, I can do this, I think. Uh, Six things. 
Six things. And if you can build your family in the context of this triangle, in the context of this circle, you're going to have a much healthier home. Uh, and and uh, you're just gonna, everybody's going to do better. And, and so what it looks like is, is this, is it looks like I've lost my notes. That's crazy. Some of you are saying, praise God. Uh, I have one page that didn't print. Oh, there it is. <laughs> okay, so uh, what, what I'm going to say is this, is, is just simply putting others first. Submit. Submit and surrender to others in your family. Uh, why do I say that? Because the Bible says, when it talks about family in Ephesians 5, before talking about family, it says these words. Submit. Submit to one another. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. When everybody is putting everybody else first in the home, your home is going to do a lot better. Okay? Number two, listen. Listen to one another. Yeah, listen. Really listen. One of the things we do around the, 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 the dinner table every night is we ask, tell us one highlight from your day, one problem from your day. The reason we ask for a highlight and a problem is because people have problems. And, and it, it's important for us to talk about what our problems are and to be honest about it. Also, you discover a lot about your kids. They discover a lot about you when you get honest. But we also talk about our highlights. because It's never all bad. It's never all good. But what we are doing is we are working on this idea of listening to one another. And in James 1.19, the Bible says, Be quick to hear, slow to speak. Slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. But when we are being quick to hear, quick to listen, really listen, instead of being quick to, to give people a piece of our mind that we can't afford to lose, when we work at listening, 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 and shutting up, listen. Shut up and listen, all right? That's a nice way of saying what James 1.19 says. No, it's not a nice way. It's my way. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Listen to one another. Okay, number two, uh, three, as I'm going to say be kind to one another. When there is kindness in your home, be kind to one another. The Bible says be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Uh, kind to one another, tenderhearted. But, be, but being kind. That, that, that I'm going to say that, that also... Encourage one another. By the way, if the only time you talk to your children is to tell them what they could have done better or what they could have done different. In fact, I would say if you encourage your children three times but you talk about what they could have done better one time, you're messing up. You're really messing up. You're seriously messing up with your children. Your children need to know what they're doing right. Your husband needs to know what he's doing right. Your husband needs to know. He needs encouragement. Joy is fantastic. And encouraging me, encouraging our kids. Uh, Men, your wives need to know. They need to know what they're doing. They need encouragement. If they didn't need encouragement, it wouldn't be in the Bible. Okay? But they need it. We all need it. And I'm just going to say, you know, okay, 
from time to time, we do have to talk about what they did wrong. Let's tell them 10 things they did right. Okay? Let's just, let's just shoot for 10 to 1. And if we do that, I think we'll have healthier families. Uh, I, I'm going to say uh, uh, number five is be patient. Wait a second. Is that five? Yeah, it is. Okay. Be patient with one another. Okay? Be patient with one another. Uh, the Bible says this, uh, Ephesians 4, 2, be completely humble and gentle. You know what completely humble and gentle means? Completely humble and gentle. All right? That's what it means. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So not being, you know, gritting your teeth with one another in love. Being patient with one another in love. But be patient. Okay? And then, um, actually, that was five. This is uh, number six, is forgive one another. Uh, forgive one another. Why? Because your spouse is going to disappoint you. By the way, you are going to disappoint your spouse. Your children are going to disappoint you. Your parents are going to disappoint you. Your brothers, your sisters are going to disappoint you at some point or another in your life. And what forgiveness does for us is it doesn't let them off the hook of what they've done wrong. It lets us off the hook of bitterness. Doing family is a lot like riding a bike. It can be a lot of fun. But sometimes we can hit potholes, pitfalls. What we want to do is build our homes on wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. We want to avoid pitfalls like being busy. We want to avoid pitfalls like unhealthy relational patterns. Uh, we want to do that as much as possible. And when we hit the occasional pothole and go through a family blowout, we want to learn how to recover from it and navigate our way through it with wisdom, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Let's pray. God, we really want to get better at this, uh, at being family. We want to, do, we, we want to get better at that. And, and God, we... Um, we want to get better at really uh, getting in control of our time and uh, instead of letting uh, the tyranny of, ur- of the urgent uh, to rule in our lives. And, Lord, we want to learn how to build healthier uh, relational patterns in the home. That we want to learn how. We, we want to build our homes on where, where there's devotion, where there's love, where there's honoring of one another above ourselves. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.